Welcome to episode 731 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 741 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan, and you? I'm feeling pretty good. It's a nice day outside. Got your, your knee-high socks on. Well, I'm still dealing with a calf injury. Bit of shorts action going on. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a hot day, but I do need to get my calf sorted. It's getting better. That's good. Did a light body attack class last night, and it held up well. Nice. But I definitely knew you couldn't go hard. Mm-hmm. But it's getting better, John. What about you? I'm all good, thanks. Did you have your haircut? I have a haircut. I'm all. You're starting uh, to get a couple of greys at the front. I got greys everywhere. Oh, it's not just at the front. Oh. Will, will you colour it? Us. Nah. You're going to be a silver surfer, eh? You're going to go for it. Nice work. I love you. I love your commitment. Yeah. One of my friends, my good mate's Jeff. You know Jeff? Yep. He's a right silver surfer. He does the old men's. What does it mean? Men's hair? What's, what's that, that product you get? I don't know. Hair for men or something? Yeah. He buys that from the supermarket, chucks it in. He's, not required. He's, he's not committing to the silver surfer. Okay, our talk is proudly brought to you by. Our fantastic patrons. And we've got Jonathan the Lumberjack Woodman. Scott the Sleek Chic Sheridan. Craig the Time Lord McCarthy. And if you want to become a patron, you go to me, And uh, it's all pretty obvious on the website. This week's show, guys, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Popular one this week, John. It was a popular one. May go down as one of the most popular ones of all time. Could do. Yep. Uh, great interview. We do. We're talking to Charles Adamo from the PTO, uh, just around Daytona coming up, and just to keep it, just keep exploring. They're, they're providing a lot of money into the sport. Well, big picture, it's not that much money, but for the pro athletes, they're, they're helping keeping them surviving by supporting events. And we're going to have a gigantic race in Daytona uh, later on this year. Charles is talking up, saying maybe the biggest triathlon race of all time in regards to the field. Yeah, we'll go into that later. Oh, John, John's got some thoughts. Uh, Epic Camp preview. We're starting on Friday. Well, we're assembling on Friday. Starting Epic on Camp Saturday. assemble. And you guys are going to hear from a lot of the athletes uh, over the next couple of weeks. So that is starting. I thought I'd just run through what we're doing. Good times. Uh, questions and answers. Winger of the week at the end. Okay, Jombo. Let's talk about the news. So, professional triathletes organization has announced Tim Don, Flora Duffy, and Gustav Eden, and uh, Jessica Learmouth, Johnny Brownlee, Lisa Norton, Henry Schumann, Angela Neath as the wildcard selections for the 2020 PTO Championship. Cheapest creepers, that's a lot of pros. Uh, so that's in addition to they announced some last week. Um, they've got some another announcement coming out tomorrow. So just a quick bit about some of these athletes because there's some really interesting ones. Tim Don you'll know of. When was the last time Tim Don really was racing? Yeah, he's not going to be a contender, no. but um, good to have him in there. Yep. We will have the special interest story yeah. in terms of his challenges he's had to go through. Flora Duffy... She could absolutely tear the legs off everybody in this race. I'm pretty excited to see how she she goes. She's back to full fitness. She has crushed the last couple of ITU races. Uh, she's got the full package in terms of great swimmer, great runner, and outstanding on the bike. So she could be a weapon. Gustav Eden is the current 70.3 world champion. He won in Nice um, when he outran everybody. One of the fastest, fast, not one of the fastest runners in the sport. Just a good, really solid all-round athlete. Slightly weaker in the swim. 
weapon on the bike and really strong runner. Jess Lemonth, uh, she'll likely be first out of the water. She's a very good ITU athlete, um, been getting podiums. She And she crushed the Super League. Uh, she won all three races, I think, in the Super League when that uh, kicked off, the virtual one we had not that long ago. Don't know if she's ever done a half Ironman or not, um, but she'll likely be at the front of the pack, at least on the swim and the bike, and she's a good steady runner, so I'd yeah, see how she goes. Johnny Brownlee, you'll probably all know that name. Don't know uh, if he's ever done a half Ironman, but if he, uh, he's likely Johnny, to be up the front. Has Johnny done a half? That's a good question. Don't know. Okay, he may well have done, but again, you'll, you'll likely see these ITU guys spanking the swim and then uh, pushing the bike. You know, the Brownleys don't muck around, and you could have this front pack, and it could really be race over for some of the, the slightly weaker iron distance athletes uh, then you've got Lisa Norton I saw a picture of her yesterday I think on the bike her position man she is like flat as a pancake oh, really? uh, she is so horizontal I haven't seen anything like that for ages anyway she's been she's a former Olympic medalist uh, ITU athlete and has been doing some pretty good results in half Ironman so she could be a bit of a contender and the final two Henry Schumann he did his first Ironman I think la- half Ironman last year he's a very good ITU athlete did he do the Worlds was it the Worlds he did no, no he, I think he did it in South Africa and he did do he did championship okay. race yeah, yeah that's he, right. did, he did okay um but I don't think he'll have the. He won't be strong enough on the bike, I think, to to, to be a factor in the top three. And then Angela Neath uh, is a just a good Ironman athlete. I guess let's talk about now. We talk, we talked to Charles later on in the show, and he t- one of the statements he makes in the interview is um, he it's maybe the strongest field we've ever seen in a triathlon race. Yeah, I think it's the most the strongest diverse field. You know, in in modern times, we we had the this the, the half Ironman in. Was it Dubai or wherever yeah, it was? Yeah, but did that get as many of the ITU guys? No, it didn't. No. Uh, but it had pretty much all the who's who, you know, it had the best 70.3 athletes and a few Ironman athletes in there as well. So that was a stellar, stellar field. That was really But you don't, th- this is better than that. Yeah, I would, I would uh, but, but we don't know what form for pro athletes are racing. So we've seen these, um, you know, wild cards, but I haven't seen a start list, list yet to see if all the top Ironman athletes are racing if they're all going to travelling. The, the Kiwis won't be going, so that takes out, um, well, I think it's highly unlikely they're going. Maybe they are, but the likes of Braden Curry, um, I wouldn't think he'd be going. You'd consider him to be a top athlete. Yep. Mike Phillips, I doubt he's going. Uh, Terenzo. And, uh, um And then uh, Teresa Adam. Uh, and what about Australians? Australians, don't know about that. And the, and the reason we say this is uh, in New Zealand, if you go somewhere, that's fine, but then you've got to go into a two-week isolated quarantine in a hotel for two weeks and, and Dave Dwan, Dr. Feelgood's just been through that. You know, yeah, you, you get through it, you do it once. But, but, but uh, if you're okay, if you're Braden Curry, okay, you're Braden Curry, John, and you're fit, do you go? No, not for one race. Oh. You, I, I, if, if it was several races, yes, but if you're just going for one single race, probably not. Wouldn't you? No. I see I would. Would you? Yeah, because it's like, well, it's my job, first of all. Mm-hmm. How often are you going to get this opportunity to race the, you know. Hopefully every year. Yeah, well, that's true. Good point. <laughs> um, but, but you know, like there is that, you know, these guys back themselves. The people mm-hmm. of this level want to be at the big game. Um, two weeks quarantine is a pain in the butt, but that's the price you pay. If it was. It's pretty good prize money. If it was Hawaii and you had a bit more certainty about what was going to, like when you go to Hawaii, 
you've probably got a pretty good idea if you're in top 10 form or not. Yeah, but these guys are paying deeper. Now, it may not be a huge amount of money deeper, but they're paying deeper. Yeah, but it's more going, money than going to this one, guys like that, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it depends whether you really back yourself to beat these ITU Yeah, that's athletes. the thing. If, if you're fit, mm. but, you know, any one of the top 10 level, if they're fit, they all think they can win it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't think I'd go if I, if if it was a one-off race and I had to do two weeks quarantine. And unless it were, if if you if there was financially, if they were going, oh, we'll pay for everything for your flights, accommodation, you get a five thousand dollar appearance fee or something like that. Different story. Yeah. But if you've got to pay for everything to get there and you're potentially risking, you know, it's, yeah, it'll be five grand New Zealand probably to go there and back. I'd imagine. Mm. Uh, and you just pay for in the COVID times. If it was not COVID times, oh, of course, different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's going to be exciting to see what the field ends up looking like. Yeah, and it, it's just exciting to have a race like this in front of us in the next period of time, forty-five days away. So, like, when we think about that, you know, we've been having racing, but we haven't had any pro racing. We've been excited to watch, have we? I've had some ITU stuff, but not long course. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, also, the Tri Games in France have also been supported by the PTO. Yep, that was on last weekend. So Rudy van Berg took that out. He went 4.21.07 and hit a Vajustas Nischlag uh, by a couple of minutes. Boris Stein in third. So really good, strong field there. Uh, and impressively, Anne Haug uh, won the females race, race by 11 minutes over Emma Bilan. And I looked at her run split. She was pretty competitive with most of the guys. Not all of them, but uh, she was pretty competitive. Uh, we also saw 70.3s come back to the US with Arizona. 70.3. John's pulling out the app because he's got the apps in the result. So he's opening up the app and he's going to look for Ironman Arizona. Why is, do you want me to talk the next piece, John? Or... Oh, 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 you keep talking. I'll, I'll do this. Professional Triathletes Organization have also announced that they're giving fifteen thousand dollars prize purse for the Harvey Bay. Harvey Bay. Oh, Harvey. I know. I would have said Harvey as well, but I'm pretty sure it's Harvey. Okay. The Harvey Bay 100 Triathlon in Queenstown, Australia, which Queenstown, is Queenstown, Australia, Queensland, Australia. Sorry, uh, which is starting pretty soon. So it's another fifteen thousand dollars to race. And again, Charles talks a lot about this when we do the interview from later on the show. John, what happened in the uh, 70.3? It was age group only. Um, in third place, we had B Volk on the female side. She went 4:43. And then uh, second place, Kayla Bolker. She went 4.49. First place, B Trotska went 4.34. She won by uh, five minutes. She ran a 1.27. Let's see what her splits were like. 33.58 swim, 2.25 on the bike. That's pretty solid. Uh, and then a 1.27 on the run. Nice work. And then on the boys' side of things, uh, where do I go? Top finishes. May age group men. I wonder how many people they had racing. Uh, third, a second, third place, S. Austin. He went 4.19, ran a 1.18. Very solid. Uh, Jason Lentz uh, took out second. He's been down here before. We've met him before. Yep. Uh, there we go. 4.15, ran a 1.21. And then Jay Stempski, he crushed them. One by 14 minutes, uh, ran a 1.20. My God, what did he bike? Uh, he swam a 24.36. Uh, and then biked a 209, Jeez which is a 25 Louise. to 29 age group. I wonder if he's a pro, but it's an age group only race, so I guess he can't be pretty solid. Nice work. I wonder, yeah, don't know how many. Uh, they had 444 men do the race. Okay, so probably a field about 600. Yeah, it's pretty small for a 70.3. Yeah, hey, they'll take it right now. Okay, John, another piece of news, and we saw this from a few people. Who's AB, John? Uh, it is Andrew Bruce, I think. Andrew uh, Bruce. 
And I think Andrew, he's, a, he's an Aussie, and I think he cleaned us all out big time in my Tour de France cycling. Oh, league. really? Was, he, sure it was, it was the winner, winner chicken dinner? Yeah, I just fell to pieces in the last few days, tried to get t- tricky on it. You were getting was, a cocky, weren't you? I was, at sweepstake, and I thought, get tricky on it, and Thomas is going down, and then somehow he beat me. Mm-hmm. Andrew Bruce just smoked us all the way through. Okay, he sent us through an email just saying, not sure if you guys already knew this, but an interesting uh, news site this week, Camworth is uh, not as listed as starting for the Enios. Uh, at the Vuelta this weekend yeah so what's that about so the Vuelta is a tour of Spain and with all the tours at the moment normally you have the the Giro which is a tour of Italy and that's sort of May June time normally and then you have the Tour de France in July and then the Vuelta is sort of the third of the big uh, classic tours and normally do you get good fields at the Vuelta or is it is a bit weak after Tour of France they're all the the, the, you know it usually goes Tour de France normally um the Giro's probably got the next strongest field. Yep. And the Vuelta, you still get really good guys racing, but it's no, certainly no Tour de France. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes. But it's, I guess it's going to be interesting to see if the race carries on. Uh, it's starting in the next day or two, I think. Uh, but whether or not they get through it all is uh, big questions because they've already shortened it to 18 stages um, instead of 2021. And I know there's already snow in the mountains that they go into over there, so some stages may get shortened. And COVID's just going ballistic in Spain. So watch the space. But it'll be really interesting to see um, A, how Camworth does and B, what his role is. I imagine he'll just be an Oompa Loompa, not an Oompa Loompa, a Humpa. Uh, up the front, just yep. pulling the pack along and doing just job. doing some work. So another piece of news which we got through a lot from a lot of people this week was uh, Guinness Book Record book farmer to do a staggering 100 Ironman triathlons in 100 days. Now this guy's got some pedigree because he's got the world record for 366 marathons in 366 days, which seems so crazy 365 was not enough. He wants to do that yet. one extra one. Um, yeah. So... Now, he looks like an old trooper, doesn't he, John? You seen the photo? He is, this Polish fella, and I sent my Polish boy, Jacek, a, a message saying, hey, why don't you go and join this fella? He goes, actually, we're gonna, we'll, we'll try to organise a crew to go up and support him. So he's going to do 100... I am... No, not 100. How many has he done? 100 and 100 days. 100 and 100 days. So we think... Um, what the old Iron Cowboy, he did... His 50, was different. He his did 50 and 50 days in 50 states, and he did have to innovate a little bit, but... Jeepers creepers. I'm impressive. Have you watched the docu- it's on Netflix. Have you watched yeah, the docu- Is it I good? It. Uh, it's worth a watch. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this guy, I presume, is not going to have the travel difficulties. It's just going to be a case of getting up every day and doing an iron distance race. Is that possible? Absolutely. Especially when he's done three he knows what it's like well, to he run knows, a marathon. Yeah, but time wise. Because like I well, no, I don't know his pedigree. Like he looks like a pretty he probably looks mid fifty guy, but it's probably just based on a photo. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you you, you got twenty four hours. For a hundred yeah. days, mm-hmm. you know, like like I I I don't doubt his ability to just keep moving. Oh, I'm just thinking, is he going to is he going to run out of time? Yeah, it's going to be minimal recovery. There's not going to be much no. else going on in life. Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he's not be partying on Saturday night. And I guess when I think about these things, it's always your joints and your durability and your feet as whether they can handle it. And if he's done that many marathons... Yeah, his body, we know he can do a lot of time on feet. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing. Swim just takes... Well, I'm not going to say it just takes care of itself, yeah. but just kind of got to get through it. And if you just doodle around the bike ride and just make it happen and then jog the run, yeah, it's going to take him... Let's say he's a really good athlete. might take him 14 hours a day, something like that. 12, he's now 12, 60. 14. Wow. So, yeah, let's say it takes him 14 hours a day. It's, it's you think... 10 think, hours spare. I, I think it's going to take more than 14 hours a day. Oh, well. 
Let's, uh, 14 hours for 100 days. Mm. The other thing I so saw... So what's that, what's that swim? Let's say swim's an hour 30. Yep. So then bike for 14 hours. What's that about? A seven or eight hour bike? Let's call it, let's call it seven, and a half, seven, seven and a half. That's good. That makes it nine hours and then a yeah. six hour marathon. Or, if or he's a runner with pedigree, he's not going to take six. Call it five. That's 14. That's bang on. Yeah. Well, hey, I, 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 when does it start? Have they got the start date? I think it's pretty low key. I don't think we're going to get the uh, the Strava. The PR and all the Strava stuff going on here. Uh, the, one other thing I did see on Facebook the other day was a guy that set a new, it wasn't much of a world record in terms of, it's not a very popular one that people do, but it was 100 miles uh, and it was around a racetrack and he followed directly behind an SUV. So he was like, you okay. know, like with So is that drafting? Yeah, like within 50 centimetres, like he was oh, right okay. on it. Yep. And he did some mental, I think it took him two hours and 22 minutes. I could be quite wrong here. I think it was two hours, 22 minutes to do uh, 100 miles, so 160 Ks. And just off the top of my head, I think he was averaging like close to 50 miles an hour. It was like, I think it was... No, cycling. Oh, it's it was it was, <laughs> it was somewhere between 45 and 49, I think, miles per hour when I saw it. It was over a week ago. But that was pretty bloody impressive. That is, that is absolutely mad. There you go. That's the news for this week. Uh, coming up, we've got the Great Floridian. This is another PTO-supported race. It's an ultra-distance race. Uh, they have a, a three-quarter, um, and the event that the PTO is supporting is the one-third distance for the pro athletes. So good luck if you're doing the Great Floridian. The Great Floridian. Okay, John, so we are going to look at last week's discussion. Great discussion. Got lots of 68 comments, John. Mm. Uh, what, 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 what got you into the sport of doing the sport of Ironman triathlon? And I think a lot of people interpreted what got them into this into the sport. I think what you wanted to ask was what got people specifically to do an Ironman. Am I correct? Or yeah, not? I did say, uh, uh, John, read the question. Yes. What got you into doing Ironman racing? Yeah. Not triathlon. But people now call Ironman 70.3, they call that an Ironman. No, you don't do I do so. Yeah. You can't say you've done an Ironman if you've done a 70.3. I am a Hawaii Ironman champion, Bevan. <laughs> <laughs> so, put that, on your, put that yeah. on your CV. With an asterisk with a little 70.3, <laughs> age group only, nobody turned up uh, next to it. You are an yeah. Ironman. Do people really say that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't done an Ironman if you've done a 70.3. Sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry I'm hurting some feelings out there. It ain't a fact. Yeah. You've done but a 70.3. You've done a half Ironman. Yep. But you ain't I think a lot of people view Ironman now as it's just a generic term. It's not sort of the distance now. Anyhow, um, we get lots of comments. I've got a few here. Um, Richard Collier. I'd never even considered triathlon, let alone uh, an Ironman until Christmas 2013 when my wife gave me a present an entry into Ironman Sweden the following August. Oh, it's a prison. I've since finished three Ironman races after the last one in 2017, swore that it was it. Somehow, though, my wife has persuaded me to enter Ironman Sweden again. She can be very persuasive. Jeez, she must be doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> <Just> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Peter Mills. Uh, Irrespective, wife, if you're a female listener or a male listener, how many people's partner go, come on, you've got to do another one, do another one, do another one? Yeah. How often does Belinda say that to you, John? Not that regularly. <laughs> Not regularly. John hits it basically go, five years from now, I'll start negotiating. 
<laughs> I'll start planning some seeds. How about we have a trip to Hawaii, honey? <laughs> um, okay, Peter Mills has got a pub bet on a ski trip. Started in the Dublin City Triathlon in 20, uh, 2001, then Half Ironman UK in Landsbury in 2002, then executed John's three-year plan of Ironman Landsbury in 2003. Eight Ironman later, the question is, what got me into doing Ironman racing again? And, it, uh, and I could get this wrong, Bevan, but I think Lambaris, as you pronounce, is Clanbaris. 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 It's like double L, I think, and it sounds like a bit like that. Yeah. Uh, John uh, Weir said, seeing it on ABC Wide World of Sports back in 84, 85, when I was really young and impressionable. So some of the early coverage did give quite a few people Yeah, hooked. definitely. Ken Laylord's uh, got uh, mainly alcohol. had separated from my partner at the time and thought I should give up my heavy smoking habit and try to get into a, to meet some healthier people so I took up running. My training plan was to run a mile until I got below six minutes and then add another mile. Repeat. Needless to say, I could barely walk after two weeks with uh, the wrong shoes and a terrible training plan. So while surfing the web looking for solutions to my injuries, I came across Runner's World and an advert that anyone could do an Ironman in nine months i was drunk that night i uh, i entered uh i man is ch uh, switzerland oh ch yeah it's weird isn't it switzerland ch hmm, never got that. twice and had uh, to phone them in the morning to get the refund join the pirates oh the pirates haven't heard from the pirates and like they gave me a pirate top john Oh, favourites. I, I have a pirate top brought a bike and a wetsuit and arrived starting an i man ch nine months later Turns out, yeah. turns out they were accurate. Terry, why is it CH? I don't know the answer to that it's question. Ken. Oh, no, Terry oh, is, yeah, yeah, is Swiss. Yeah. Uh, Tony West, watching a friend's race at Ironman Melbourne in 2012, I volunteered at the race and then got hooked. Nice. Good old Alistair Dennis striding on. Oh, yeah. No, no, I haven't seen from Alistair in a while. I saw an advert in the 1986 Triathlete Mag and I said to him, mate, that looks awesome. And he said, you're mad. And that was a red bull, a red rag to a bull. Uh, Brad George said, wanting to impress my new partner who was already a Kona veteran. Oh, I'm trying to impress their partner by a couple of those signing in there. up for an Ironman. Maura Terry's got uh, started listening to this brand new podcast called Iron Man Talk <laughs> with terrible microphones and munching peanuts. She told us off. <laughs> we used to have peanuts while we did the show. I didn't have peanuts. <laughs> no, we both started put the peanuts and we'd munch away and she, she sent us an email saying, get rid of those peanuts. Got me interested and excited about it. Thanks, John and Bevan. Raymond uh, Mulag said, my girlfriend then told me uh, I would never finish one. Uh, no challenge. Know. Claire Slater's got, uh, my PT had done one. I was just training for a half marathon. He said, do a triathlon. I said, I can't swim. Three weeks later, I did my first try. He said, next, you'll be racing an Ironman. To which I said, never Never say never. <laughs> Rob Lyons, 1983, watching the third edition of the London Marathon on BBC with my grandparents. The commentators talked about a crazy race in Hawaii where they finished with a marathon after a swim and a bike. Having already committed to my grandparents that I'd uh, one day run the London Marathon, I also set a goal that bonkers race in Hawaii. John Burton's got after 25 years of running and a few duathlons, I decided to overcome my fear of water. At the age of 59, I had to learn oh. to swim, and by 60, I did my first sprint. At 61, I did Challenger Rote, and even though I swore I'd never do another, I was hooked. I've done several now around the world and hope to do another one next year when I'm 70. Along the way, I've met some amazing people and made lots of good friends. Like many others, I wish I'd started earlier, but I've enjoyed the ride so far. Last one I'll do, uh, Will Hogarth, I was quickly approaching 20 stone, 125 kilograms, was highly unfit and thought life was about, did you do this one? 
well, life was about beer, beer and party. No, 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 no. But I, no, there was another one. I watched the program um, called Trans World Sport. I remember Trans World Sport, uh, which featured the Ironman. Took a look in the mirror and thought, you fat bastard, and decided I would do an Ironman before I was 40. Three years of running and sprint triathlons, now almost 16 years later uh, of Ironman later and still loving the sport. Good on, Mark. This has got weirdly. It's a question I never considered. I spent a few years doing short stuff and just gradually drifted into the next challenge that scared me. It was all about tr- the training for me. When I can't train, I'm miserable. When I am going hard, I'm happy. Uh, for me, I think I've probably said this before. Um, I did lots and lots of short course, and I'd sort of uh, retired from racing at about two thousand, and then. But was it when you were doing short course? Because Ironman was obviously you're aware of it. Aware of it. Were you thinking? Didn't register. Who do you want to do that? Yeah, it didn't really register at all. Um, It wasn't anything like what it is now. Most people did short course, and you had the few nut bars that did Ironman. So you stood. You were aware of it, but it wasn't. So when Ken Brown went across, um, did you, you know, because you knew Cam? Yeah. Was what were you thinking at that moment? Um. No, when did he start doing Ironman? He probably would have been about the same time-ish, maybe. Yep. And uh, I don't know if he was onto it then or not, but around 2000 time. Okay. Um, no, still didn't. Just for young, when we were young, just Be didn't fast. even register. Mm. Didn't register. And so the, the only reason, not the only reason I did it, but um, I came back from living in Hong Kong for a while in 2000, did a bit of study, thought I have to do one of these Ironmans before I move on with the next phase of life. And then so I actually signed up for Ironman South Africa and went into that in March of 2001. So you, you, you're we know your South Africa experience, you're winning, you know, mm. the camera's in front of you, blew up. Yeah. Uh, after that race, were you like, I want to do more of this? Because it wasn't until about 2004 that you had another one? Or? Yeah, not really, because then we travelled overseas for three years or so. Okay. So um, no, there wasn't any burning desire to, to go and do another one. And then when we were coming back and I'd had three years living in the real world, it was like, don't know, I don't really like that very much. <laughs> but I thought I want to do another one, and uh, and that's where it sort of started to to go back and to do do some racing. What do you love the most now in racing? Do you still, what, what, like if you could go, I could only do one type of racing for the rest of my life. Yeah. I know, I know, it's a stupid question, but what what do you enjoy the most? Uh, I would probably uh, I would probably prefer to do short course, but I like just to tick things off. So I kind of I've ticked that Roth Roth. Roth box where yep. you have a couple of sub nine hour Ironmans pretty confident I can keep doing that um, so I've kind of ticking, ticked the marathon box don't think I go much faster in a marathon yep. um, haven't ticked the Ironman box in Hawaii yet so kind of got that that needs to be done and the rest of the time for me it's more about adventures and I actually yeah, probably prefer going short and hard than long and slow well it was interesting for me because I was, I was working at the gym and I'd kind of reached the level of success I was really proud of and one thing when you work in fitness is it's always about giving your energy to other people, which I love and I get a lot back from. It's kind of a, a win, give, give and take kind of relationship. Uh, but you kind of, suddenly your fitness takes a back step. And mm-hmm. so I kind of just thought I need to find some fitness challenges for myself. And I did the race and I did the Christchurch Marathon. And I did, you know, I think I got like 20th in the marathon. I wasn't a runner back in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, was, I was obviously had some pedigree and it's just because I was really gym fit. And I, I had watched the Hoyts when I was younger, so I kind of knew what Ironman was, but only vaguely. I didn't really know the sport. I just knew that I was pretty impressed with the Hoyts. And then I was at the gym one day and I had an injury and I went and saw my physio, a guy called Grant. And I was just saying, you know, I enjoyed the marathon, but I didn't find it that challenging. And I, I think I did like a two, 
248, marathon? 204, wasn't it? Yeah, 204, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. 248 for my marathon back in those days. And uh, and I didn't find it that hard. Like, it was a good challenge, but I didn't kill myself. And he said, mate, if you want a challenge, you could do an Ironman. I was like, what do you mean? He was an Ironman. And he was one of these guys who just, you know when you meet someone who, when they talk about something, they're passionate? Mm-hmm. And this guy was, great, was passionate. Oh, an Ironman, it's crazy to do this. this and, and it was like, I'm in. And then mm-hmm. I signed up and did New Zealand next year. Sweet. Yeah, Did not follow the three-year plan. No, and it was a total disaster. That's <laughs> why you got that calf injury now. You didn't follow the three-year plan. Not for a 30.3. I did the, the th- three-hour plan. Not even that, the 30-minute plan. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't think you can do a race without doing the work. Um, so that's my story. Jombo. You can overall this one if you like. I was just struggling for ideas, but um, I just thought we'd keep it specific to okay. the week in front what of What is one specific triathlon goal that you have for this week? Because I know a lot of people are struggling at the moment. There's no racing for, well, even if it was this time of year, any year in the Northern Hemisphere, you're kind of winding down from the season and you guys are winding down from the season that you haven't had. So I thought you need to have some little goals each week to just make sure you stay on track. Here's a random thought, John. It's totally off topic, but it's an interesting one. Joe and I have been reading this book called Clockwork. It's a business book and, and it's basically a business book that's about, Joe and I have got a good little small business, um, but he talks a lot about, this guy writes really good small business books. Um, he talks a lot about small business owners basically end up just doing. Yep. You know what I mean? They just mm-hmm. end up doing. And, and when you think about a business, there's kind of four roles. There's doing, deciding, delegating, and designing. And ideally, what business owners should be doing is just design, just designing, really. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you need people underneath you doing delegating and designing, uh, with deciding, but basically you want to create the system. And so we've got a good business where we have got staff uh, who do do work for us, but most of our work is doing. Uh, but what we had to do this week is we had to do a time order of everything we do in a week. Mm. It's a really fascinating thing to do. And it, you know, you, you got to go, was it a doing, was it a deciding, and so on. Um, and what we, the whole purpose of this project is to get us to do more designing work on our business mm-hmm. and step away from the doing. But I tell you what, it's just a really interesting activity. Yeah, yeah. You know, to actually write down every minute of your day what you were doing and um, – and there's some really good insight in there. I might keep talking about it over the next few weeks because I know a lot of people in this like business and stuff like that. But I also I just think it's a probably an interesting thing to do around training. You know, yeah, absolutely. To think about how much time you actually spend within your training. You you could maybe break down training into four different categories. You could go setting up, mm. baseline, intensity. You know, and how much of your training are you actually hitting certain parts of your training because it's just I always just think one of the best tools in life is awareness mm. you know and it's why this is such a good activity because I'm I'm very productive mm. I, I use my time really well but I definitely spend way too much time doing in my business mm-hmm. um, and I just think it's a good activity for and I know nowadays we have training tools that record but to actually go back and go how would I, well do I do in these different areas it's a good mm. interesting thing to think about okay John let's go to our interview yeah here comes Charles Adamo okay here we go Okay, guys, um, so on today's show, we've got Charles Adamo. We've had him on before. Uh, he's the executive chairman of the Professional Triathletes Organisation, um, which are providing us with news pretty much every week at the moment, either by supporting events, um, news around Challenge Daytona, and just generally supporting our professional athletes. So we talked to Dylan McNeese about a few you know, a few areas of the PTO a few weeks ago, and then we're going to talk to Charles about that, as well as uh, the upcoming Daytona. So welcome to the show Charles. Yeah, great. Always nice to be here. Nice to keep you guys busy. 
<laughs> so the wildcard announcements have been um, coming out sort of thick and fast, and we will have sort of mentioned those earlier in today's show. I'm, I'm really intrigued um, with some of the athletes that you've you've signed up, uh, especially some of the short course athletes. Um, some of them, I don't even, don't even know if they've done a uh, half Ironman. So I guess did these athletes approach you, or did you approach them in terms of trying to get the best quality field you could get in the world? Well, we tried to get the best quality field. And I think as you're uh, watching this, uh, this will probably be the greatest triathlon field ever assembled. Uh, Partly fortuitously because the ITU athletes actually have time to do something like this, where normally their schedules are very packed. So to try to fit something in like this is very difficult. Uh, So that's what our mandate was, was to just get the best athletes to compete in an iconic location, and we think that's what the triathlon world and fans would love to see. When we put out our published criteria for the wild cards, it's on our website, you'll see basically three categories. You had ITU people who clearly have talent enough to get to the distance, uh, the top-ranked ones, and you had uh, PTO uh, longer-distance professionals who, for injury or maternity, their rankings don't accurately reflect their, uh, <clears throat> their, their, their form if they're back. And then the final category are kind of up-and-coming racers who didn't have the opportunity to race this year to get into automatic qualifying position. Uh, so the first few we announced, you'll see mostly the, 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 you know, the superstars of the ITU. Uh, and I think uh, it's going to be quite the bloodbath on, in Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> just just in regards to when you approached these athletes, it was pretty much 100% everyone keen to jump on board? Yeah, we, we were uh, we were surprised. Again, I think the ITU season's over. Uh, this is going to be a fairly iconic event. Uh, so, yeah, uh, people were very excited. It didn't take very long. We, we approached people. We, we got approached by other people as well. I mean, once it came out that we were doing it, uh, so we got approaches. Uh, and uh, and then we kind of got together and, and sent out notes to see if they were interested in accepting their wild cards, and it, it didn't take very long to get responses. So just tell us a bit about um, what we can expect from the race. You know, we, we've talked to you before about the Collins Cup and where you, you, where you want to take that. Um, this is obviously just a straight half Ironman. Um, to sort of run us through what we can expect as, as spectators and, and viewers in terms of the coverage and, and how the race is kind of going to be, you know, delivered. Oh, yeah, great. We'd love to. So first, the distance isn't... It's not half Ironman. It's not really a distance. So ours is it's 100 kilometers. <clears throat> so uh, I think it's a 2K swim, 77, 77 kilometer bike, and I think uh, half marathon or something. It's kind of going to the metric system since the whole world is on a metric system except the USA <laughs> and Miramar. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we just try to get a little more standardized. But I think. Where you know where we last spoke about the Collins Cup uh, was always going to be super exciting because you had twelve different matches and there's a lot of picture pure. So the other side of that coin, and particularly when we're trying to uh, increase the popularity of the sport, is to have major races where everybody shows up. Mm-hmm. Right? Just again, similar to golf and tennis. I mean, everyone shows up at Wimbledon, Australian Open, French Open. 
U.S. Open. Uh, and that's what you need to galvanize the audience as a sport. You know, even right now, some of the kind of world championship labeled races really don't, don't have everybody. Uh, now, we're, and particularly with the wild cards that we put out there, now the whole space is just saying, whoa, we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> this is going to be unbelievable. Mm. Uh, it really is uh, quite the quandary to, for people to figure out. Because uh, normally, if you're if you're racing at, at Kona, you know there's maybe a handful of people that could possibly win it, and, and everyone knows who they are. This with this field uh, is a toss up. I don't think anyone knows who could win this race. Um, and I don't know if you've got the the stats in front of you in terms of the the sort of prize money. We know it's a a million dollars um, up for grabs across the the board, split between males and females. Um, have you got those stats in front of you? Otherwise, we can go and grab them from the website later on. Well, you, well, you can't grab them because they're not out yet. Ah, uh, right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so you may, uh, that's why you're asking a question because it's not it's not intuitive. Uh, we're, we we. Originally, we were uh, looking at, at uh, paying 20 deep uh, with, you know, significant prizes going from 100000 to 20000 uh, And if you look at the kind of 70.3 world championships, they go from 45000 to 5000 uh, In this environment, it looks like we're really going to go much deeper because, you know, people haven't had a chance to race at all. Uh, and the idea that you're going to drag someone halfway around the world who qualified and then didn't get anything, uh, we're going to have something. So we're fiddling with it, but it's going to be a multiple of what the 70.3 championship is. And it's consistent with other sports. If you look at, if you look at Wimbledon, you know, if you qualify for Wimbledon and you show up and you lose your first match, 6-0, 6-0, 6-0, and don't even score a point, you still get a paycheck, mm. right? You, you were good enough to qualify and you were there at the competition. So it's going to be coming out soon. We're just fiddling with some of the lower numbers. Just in regards to, you know, we live in a crazy time. It's COVID time. Uh, in regards to getting athletes from outside of your states and maybe even within the states, what's the kind of quarantine process or what do they need to do to make sure that they are safely arriving and safely going through the processes that you aren't causing a bigger problem? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I think it's a, it's a question that well, our athletes understand it, but I don't think the, the greater market understands it. So, first of all, we're very we're athlete centric organization. Uh, the well being of our athletes is the number one priority on, on our mind at all times. Uh, but also, you know, we go out of our way to bend over backwards to help them. So we have arranged with the U.S. Home Secu Homeland Security that they are getting exemptions to come into the country because right now the U.S. is closed uh, for foreign people except for you know, a, a special dispensation. So we have arranged with Homeland Security that our athletes, just like the athletes in U.S. Open Tennis and the Golf Masters, which is in two weeks, I think, time, uh, are, being, are given special exemption to enter the United States. Uh, I know things are going a little bit crazy in Europe uh, with restrictions, but uh, parts of the United States seem to be doing well. Florida is, is seems to be very sound. Uh, once the athletes will be tested before they arrive, and they'll be tested when they arrive, and then they'll be in hotels that we've secured for them, so they'll be bubbled. And obviously the venue itself, uh, we're having it all within the Daytona Speedway, 
uh, so they will be again in a position to limit contact. <clears throat> As you know, the French Open tennis just were finished, and that was two weeks in Paris. Uh, so I think we're very comfortable, and our athletes are comfortable uh, that this is going to be uh, safe, uh, and there's nothing to be afraid of. Sometimes, as you know, in this environment, uh, there can be uh, an excess of fear sometimes that might not necessarily be justified. That said, you know, these are professional athletes and we want to make sure that they're safe uh, and they can make their own decision as to if they're happy with the protocols and if they want to attend or not. Uh, but uh, we're comfortable that we're doing everything possible uh, to make it uh, a great race for them and a safe one. Um, so just just back to the the coverage side of things. Have you? I know it's a few months away yet, but do you have anything confirmed in terms of what sort of media coverage you're going to have online for for spectators, um, obviously outside of Florida? Yeah. So it's uh, because there's such uh, there's a small amount out there. Uh, we're actually spoiled for choice, so we're going through a number of different options as to what is the best way to reach uh, the worldwide audience we wanted to. Uh, so I don't, I don't have the exact answers yet, but there are great opportunities, and I don't think anyone will be disappointed with the quality of the production, because that's one thing we're uh, able to uh, do in that we're working with NASCAR productions, who normally do the NASCAR 500, which is obviously an iconic race in the U.S. Uh, they're production capabilities are beyond whatever has been done in triathlon before. Uh, so uh, the production will be fantastic and the distribution of it is uh, what we're working on to make it the most efficient and easiest to access. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, you may not have any updates in this area, but in terms of the Collins Cup, is uh, is there any sort of progress on that? You know, um, from memory, it was going to be held at uh, the, the Challenge Championship. You know, it was supposed to be held. Um, is that still the, the plan at this stage? Um, I know it's really hard to even see a couple of weeks in front of you, but um, at this stage, is, is the plan still to do that? No, absolutely. And I think we're very pleased with that, given that, uh, this now major race uh, with this incredible field is going to be in the United States. Uh, we're really happy that we're continuing to have the first Collins Cup in Samarin in Europe. Uh, just so it's fair that a lot of the European athletes don't have to travel uh, to the United States or elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, that, uh, that location is fantastic. It's going to be great for filming. Uh, and the interesting thing is a lot of the ITU athletes that now we've reached out for this are interested in knowing more about that as well. Uh, so we'll see. As you know, we have captain's picks uh, for Collins Cup teams where two women, two men get chosen outside of the qualification standards by, the, that by again, the non-athlete uh, <clears throat> members of the PTO board uh, in conjunction with the captain. So that they've uh, they twigged that this is uh, something available. Now it's an Olympic year, so uh, there'll be some that w wouldn't even think about doing it. Uh, but there are some who are intrigued by the prospects. So uh, that could also add an element as we hook to the May race at uh, for the Collins Cup. 
Just going back to um, the coverage of Daytona, um, what's it like? How's the TV selling going? Are, is that something you're pursuing? I know that ultimately, long term, you see the big way of making revenue is to get that big TV audience. Is this something you're trying to actually achieve with the Challenge Daytona race? Or are you kind of just putting this race on, still looking to the future for like the Collins Cups and other races you move towards? Well, there'll definitely be a, there'll definitely be a, a, a TV broadcast or OTT. There'll be a combination of a number of things for this. Uh, in this short time frame, it's not the uh, opportunity to kind of leverage large TV revenue, yep. uh, but it is clearly a calling card. Once we do this production, uh, and once we demonstrate the size of the audience through OTT and, and other methods uh, for future discussions with people who are interested in, in in the audience. So it's almost a bit of a sales pitch for you that, guys. Well, again, for, for us, we just want to get the athletes racing. We're going to nail the broadcast, and uh, people will be impressed with it, and, and then we expect to have discussions further down the road, a road on the value of it. Yeah, for nice. sure. Um, so a few questions around the, the PTO. Um, you know, it seems almost every week that you guys are making announcements um, on races you're supporting, you know, financially supporting by providing, you know, fifteen to sort of twenty thousand dollars prize money typically. Um, what's the criteria for what races you choose? Because it seems there's been some really random ones that, you know, they're not necessarily high profile races. Um, they're just sort of small pretty basic half Ironman, some of them. Um, so what, what's the criteria for you guys to be picking which races you support and which ones you don't? Well, that's a, that's a great question because this really all started from the athletes because it's not something that, uh, quote, the centralized organization of the PTO, which is a small team, went out and sought to try to do. Uh, it was the athletes themselves in various regional locations just saying, look, there's just no races. I found this race. If I can get 15, 20 professionals, what do you think? And we said, oh, that would be a good idea. <laughs> Prior to this, as you probably heard, you know, we, we had approached when, when Ironman canceled early on, Ironman Brazil in March, I think, uh, they were going to keep the age group a race. But they canceled the pros, and we approached them and said, hey, you know, we'll pay the price first for the pros uh, if you like. If that helps because, you know, we'd like to be able to provide a platform for our pros to make money. So, it, you know, it's just their policy. They gave us a very polite note saying it's against their longstanding policy to have outsiders support their professional races. So it was at that time we started to look at other races to try to support uh, and that's when the athletes started coming together. We did Davros, and then all of a sudden we had athletes coming and say, hey, there's this great race here. So we basically pushed it down to the athlete level and said, hey, if you guys can get 15, 20 of your professionals to race, uh, we'll, we'll put up some money. And it's not easy because, you know, they're in locations and they're trying to scurry around and get people to sign up and things. Uh, but... So that's how we ultimately chose them. <clears throat> it was athlete-driven, and it was one that they were able to demonstrate that they could get a decent field in the in the regional location. 
Yeah, you're probably not going to want to answer this um, uh, exactly, but how big a pot of money have you got sitting there? You know, I'm guessing you've supported probably somewhere between 10 and 15 races so far. That's just a, a rough estimate, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, but have you just got like a pot of money there? Because it just seems like that every week that something's coming up, um, and yet we don't really see any income coming the other way, and we may be missing something. So maybe explain, you know, the, the, the money situation and, and how all that's working. No, it'd be great because I think there's a, I, I think there's a misunderstanding just generally uh, in the triathlon community that there's an expectation there should be short-term returns in anything that people do in this space. Uh, and that's just not the way that our investment partner and that's not the way that we think. Uh, this is an, uh, These are investments. So all these races are investments. We're just investing in the athlete. We're investing in relationships uh, in the, within the triathlon community to try to support them. So we, we don't we don't see horizons on the one, two, three year basis. We see horizons on the five, 10, 15, 20 year basis. So putting fifteen thousand dollars in races here and there is just a, a small amount of effort and investment to go into uh, being able to really establish the organization for the longer term, you know, so, and I know it's foreign, it's very foreign for, for the space because they're really used to people coming in and maybe throwing some money in, but really expecting something right out of the box. Mm. Uh, and so we understand that. And when we were looking with, uh, I mean, I told you this story before, I'll, I'll just repeat it because it's a very valid story. When we were looking for the proper investment partner, there were lots of people who were very, very keen to be our partners. Uh, until we took out the model of what we wanted to pay the athletes. And, and then lots of the responses from, you know, kind of the hedge funds was, why would you pay them so much? You don't have to. So, uh, so that was just a, obviously a red flag. You're not the right partner for us because the object here is to pay them well uh, for what they earn, the amount of effort they put in. And if you're their partner, you want to get them started. Uh, and then in the medium to longer term, you're going to show return. So that's 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 the space that we live in right now. We're not living in the oh well, we didn't get a sponsorship for twenty grand here, or we don't have this yet. Uh, we're building a base uh, of athletes who are just fantastic uh, sports people. Uh, we're going to put them on display, and we're going to you know, create and leverage their talents to reach a broader market. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but over a period of time. Just on a personal level, Charles, this has been a project of yours for a few years now, and you've definitely had some hurdles along the way. Um, you know, yeah. obviously, obviously, getting the, the key investor alongside you has been pretty pivotal to kind of making some pretty jumps forward, big jumps forward. And um, what's it been like for you? Because you know, you've been pretty bloody persistent, and you've stuck at it. And I know it's not just you, but definitely you've been a big driver behind it. You are, it does seem like you're kind of going into phase two now, where it's kind of coming a bit more of reality, and we are starting to see some. You know, big implementations of a vision that we're moving towards. Just on a personal level, what's it been like to get to this stage? Well, it's interesting because I had this conversation yesterday because uh, I've been blessed beyond measure. So I, I'm doing this at, uh, as a result of early on getting involved, uh, actually, with some athletes, Lucy Gossage in particular, who I got to know when I was just shocked uh, that how little she got paid based on the kind of results she produced. So from my personal perspective, I just thought there's something wrong here. So I need to need to see whether I can help. 
Uh, now, it's taken a long time, and much longer than I had originally expected, but uh, and while I did this sport for for a very short period of time, which I probably told you I started off mediocre, got worse, and then quit, <laughs> uh, I, I, I still... As, as as probably demonstrated by going, continue to go through this process. I share the the quality traits that many of this sport have. Is that I really don't give up very easily, uh, and it's paid off. I think for the athletes. If I have one regret, uh, is that it took so long because there were so many athletes early on who were very helpful that did, didn't get to see the benefit of it. Something like Rachel Joyce was still on our board, but, you know, was retired now. So when I started, she was number two in, in, in the world. Uh, and, you know, and, and people like uh, Joey Swallow was one of the first people involved. So uh, that was, that's disappointing for me personally, that uh, there were people who were great helps, but it just took a little longer than expected to push it over the line. Um, the only other question I had, and I was just thinking, I know Iron Man recently got bought out, and I, to be honest, I can't even remember where, whereabouts in the world they got bought out by. Um, and there was definitely rumours that either PTO or the um, your investment partner was was looking at buying Iron Man. Was that legit, or um, are you guys just sort of doing your own thing? No, I mean, we at the time, we were clearly uh, in the market uh, to enter into discussions to buy Iron Man, 100%. Uh, you know, they, the business team here has a slightly different model. They're all more age grouper oriented. Uh, and then you, you also have to respect that uh, corporate transactions are different than operational transactions, right? Mm-hmm. So the corporate world, totally different. You know, we hired bankers, we hired lawyers, people are prepared. But they, they worked in the dark arts that are different than just uh, starting a triathlon race and finishing. So uh, we never really appreciated why we didn't end up having full discussions, but uh, were, they ultimately went in another direction. Uh, you know, as I've said many, many times, we have our attitude towards Ironman is the attitude that uh, the United States <clears throat> had towards General Motors in the 1950s, we think was good for Ironman is good for triathlon. Mm. They helped the sport. They helped the profile of it. It's fantastic. So uh, we're, we're totally uh, happy to continue to try to work together and just make the sport better. Awesome. We're looking forward to a few more um, wildcard. Daytona. Like, Daytona, but a few more wildcard announcements uh, in the coming weeks. So we look forward to that. Um, anything else, Charles, that we haven't discussed that you want to mention about uh, what's going on? Uh, no, you guys are really appreciate you guys uh, giving us uh, the opportunity to, to explain. We're, we're not easy. We're new. Uh, as I always say, you know, we're kind of the, the, the new kid on the block and, and there's lots for us to be able to learn from our experienced people like yourselves and others. Uh, and we'd like to cooperate with people in in, uh, in that journey. So thank you for all your time and, and, and hearing what we have to say. And we are always happy to hear criticism. Uh, and we take it all in and we'll try to you know, modify our journey as, as required. But we think, we really do think we're all in this together. Uh, and uh, that's our goal is to, is just to make the sport and give it the profile we think it really deserves. Because we think when the real sports world gets to see what these people can do, 
it, 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 there's an admiration that can generate some real excitement. Yeah. Awesome. So, guys, um, make sure you do go and check out the Professional Triathletes Organization website. There's a huge amount of content on there and their, their hub. You get to know the pro athletes heaps better. Some really good interviews. So, um, making big progress there as well, just getting to know everybody. So, Charles, thanks heaps for your time yeah, and awesome. all the best with the, the rest of the year. And we look forward to uh, Daytona on my little ticket. What does it say here? For, as of recording right now, 45 days and two hours until race time. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, exactly. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you so much. Jombo, your thoughts? I think it's just good to keep reinforcing this message about the PTO's long game. And I just sit there sometimes going, man, they're just hemorrhaging all this money just week after week, and there's nothing coming in the other way. I, uh, I don't, it's it's really happening. I don't think we see it till a couple of years even. Because no. even next year, hopefully they can have a, like a Daytona race again. Mm. We'll probably see the Collins Cup. But they probably need how many races a year do you think they'll end up having in five, ten years from now? Well, I think they, they sound like they want to have that sort of, you know, the like the US Open and like the golf and tennis, you know, four or five majors a year. Yep. And, and that's where they'll, they'll get their revenue from. But yeah, it's it's just it's a very different model to what we're used to in triathlon. One thing that maybe you and I will disagree or agree with me is triathlon is sport to be able to do it. Yeah, not to the same degree other sports, but like Team Ineos, this is a cycling team. They got a fifty million euro budget. Yeah, uh, and that's for and you would argue cycling's more boring than. Oh. It's a massive, it's a big, big sport. Way, way, way bigger than, than triathlon. But yeah, but uh, sport, when we think about what the market is the TV, mm. you know, because how many people play rugby in comparison to watch rugby? You know, like it's, it's mm. you know, you're really just looking at an elite level here. So can triathlon be, especially long course, can triathlon long course be an appealing product? Not to watch for four or five hours, but, yeah. you know, but get that highlights package. France. Yeah, highlights package. Half an hour, 45 minutes, yeah, I think it really could be with the right production um, and with the right, not just doing the same thing all the time, just having some variety. Because think, think of the tennis. I never watch a tennis. Mm. I'd never, I, I, although I did go to the French Open final when we were there, but I, I never go, I'll never sit down and watch a game of tennis. Mm. In the last 10 years of my life, mm. I think I got it one morning when Federer and, um, and who were the two rock stars of the last period? Was it, I was Federer and Adele. Yeah, so whatever. I was, no, but it was a US Open final. It was really interesting. Or uh, what I watched. I got up early and watched that one time. So I've watched one game of tennis in the last 10 years. But I'm always interested. Yeah. You know, I always kind of, I'm, I'm always interested in one, the latest Grand Slam. And like, I've mm. now they won, you know. So I kind of know. Mm. So do you ever see a future where the public will be like me with tennis, with triathlon? Because uh, ultimately that's probably, what they're aiming for, isn't not, it? No, yeah, no. I don't think so. I mean, the, the common public are not going to know who won the major marathons. They're pretty big these days, aren't they? Yeah. So tennis and golf is, is next level. No, of course. But I think that's that's the vision. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It would be awesome. Imagine if like all our top pros were household names. Yeah. And maybe people don't always watch the things, but they kind of still want to see what's happening in the sport. Interesting times, John. Interesting times. Okay, let's Hit me with some music, Bevan. Don't uh, give me that bullshit excuse. I'm like, I can't find any music. Oh, we've lost our music, John. <laughs> Here we go. Hippocamp Preview. Preview.
kicking off on Saturday, the 24th of October. You're going to start with a sprint course race? We're starting with an aquathon. Nice. And I've got a few, I've got plenty of tricks up my sleeve that you're going to hear about over the next few weeks. So we're starting at the top of the South Island, length of the South Island we're doing over nine days. Um, we average, I think it's around 140 kilometers, so 140 to 150, so nearly 100 miles a day on the bike on Kiwi roads that are pretty unforgiving. Told the fellas at the pool this morning to them, the Holy Hammer, Murray Lapworth and Tyrone, I said, looks like you might want to pack a second jacket. Oh, really? <laughs> so the Long west, range is not looking good? Yeah, the West Coast is uh, it's a bit like... Notoriously wet. Notoriously wet. It's not as bad as, say, Hilo on the other side of um, Hawaii, but it can rain. And it looks like we're going to get uh, quite a bit of rain, but nothing hopefully too crazy heavy. Um, so, yeah, we basically start at the top of the South Island, come down the middle a little bit, and then we switch over to the West Coast, go down most of the West Coast, come back through to Wanaka where they have Challenge Wanaka, uh, and then go through down to the south, the bottom of the South Island. We've got some unique challenges along the way. Um, I'm really enjoying doing all this handicapping, so I've got everybody's 400 metre time for swimming, and their 180k Ironman time, and then their 5k fresh running time. So we have lots of events that are all pegged back to those times. So for example, um, one day we're going to be doing a bike time trial, and I'll be aver- it's only 16k's, 10 miles. Yep. I'll be averaging out people's Ironman time and coming up with a calculation to predict what they should do for 16k's. Nice. And, uh, do you have and- a calculator like the VDOT? Uh, not really. I'll just, oh, I'll cool. just work out an average. Yep. That would be quite handy. Yeah, uh, and we're going to a whole bunch of things like that. It's going to be really. I'm really, really interested to see how some of the mid to back of the packers approach those challenges on a normal epic camp. Most people go reasonably hard on those, yep. whereas this one is going to be a bit more of a survival test just to make the daily minimums. So, are you um, doing the, the predicted time race? I'm not. I, I did have that in there, but then I was looking at it, going, we'd, "We've got a few too many hard runs." Okay. We may do a slow one. So what Bevan's talking about there, and I do it in Hawaii, is we do a five k. Uh, we did ten k when we did ten. Yeah. A ten k. We did it as a running race, a ten k running race. Plus, you had to predict your time. See, where you did it with us was that you didn't have to do it as a running race. You just had to predict your time, but you couldn't wear a watch. Well, no, we had two competitions going. I think you had one that was. You had to go as fast as you okay. can, and then you had another one who was going to be closest. So if you're st- at the start of the run, you're running along going, I think I'm going too hard here, but I don't want to miss out on the points. So yeah. you kind of got to decide before you go how hard you're actually going to push. So yeah. those, those are really cool. And you often get some really spot-on results with some people that are within seconds of their predicted time, and you get others who are like minutes out. Over 5K, they'll be like five minutes out, and they think they're quite close. Yeah. What? (laughs) So looking forward to the handicapping side of things. Um, We've got some other really cool challenges along the way. On the last day, we have to go up Bluff Hill, which is um, at the the bottom of the South Island. It's like within two or three kilometres of the finish of the last day. And you go up this climb, it's optional. It's, I think it's 2.3 kilometres. It only averages 11%, but you've got pitches in there that are well over 25%. Oh, so really? I think it's got some flatter periods, and I think mo- it's going to take about 15 minutes of climbing pretty much Just max death. effort. Yep. Yeah. So, th- and then the other thing is, I'm electing to go do, do it on a TT bike, which is going to make it even more challenging. Wait a second, how many days is the whole camp? Nine days of training, 10, ten nights, nine days. Okay. So it's going to be good times. Um, we've got a really wide variety of athletes um, from sort of my level um, down to athletes that are probably sort of 13 hours or so for Ironman. So, um, yeah, 
30, it's my, it's, it's not stressful, but it's the biggest camp. <laughs> Here we go. I'm not a, busy. It's, it's, a, it's the biggest camp that I've ever organised in terms of number of people. So it's going to be, uh, and also Belinda's coming on this one, which is going to be Ooh. interesting to see how that goes. She's part of the support crew. Uh, we got old. Um, what about you? Frustrates Belinda the most. Sorry. Well, like, what do you have to be aware of? Well, I'll just be ignoring her. Oh, that's this is gonna help. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's gonna help. I'll just be focusing what I've got to do, and like, she's not gonna get any Belinda time. Uh, and so we're just gonna get the, the, the all that set up early. And I like you've seen me on camp, so I, I'm doing the training. Yeah. And then I've got to do all the organising. Yeah, so there's a, a lot going on, for you. and so there's not a lot of time for anybody else. So we'll, we'll manage that. So it's going to be a good time. One hug um, a day. One hug, Blinder. Yeah. <laughs> so if you do want to follow it, uh, I'll be putting daily posts up on my Facebook page as well as the Epic Camp page, and I'll be linking blogs of other athletes in there. So do go ahead and follow it. I'll be trying to interview as many of the athletes as I can. It'll probably start off strong and then taper off towards the end, <laughs> um, but I'll do my best because I think you'll get some different... Um, some different content to what we've had on previous past camps, and you are also going to be getting some interviews. So we'll be putting up those up on the show over the next few weeks. Uh, Jombo, let's go wanger of the week. Now, James Thomas, the Red Rocket, has ruined himself. Is it? Because he, he sent us through something about. Oh, we didn't talk about. Oh, maybe you sent it through in the emails. Um, he brings up a really good question, John. What's the refund policy at the moment? Um, I don't know. Maybe you should look into that because. Mm. They want people to sign up for races, but races have been cancelled left, right, and centre. I'm just looking at uh, Joe Spraggins. Joe, uh, Joe Spraggins, met him over in Hawaii a few years Is ago. He always wears the hat when he goes for a run. Yeah. Yep, Joe's a nice guy. Anyway, James, James, he's got a new bike today, got a, a Cervelo, P-Series DI2. But anyway, he's going to be, Bev, can you pull out number 57 this week? So he's trying to pocket up for himself. Oh. I said, okay, I'll do that. Guess who's not 57 right now, John? Who? James Thomas, <laughs> tell me, tell me who's fifty-seven. Oh God, uh, I'm just trying to figure out if Joe Spraggins, who is our leader for this week, last week, whether that's correct or not, because uh, it's really not that clear. But it's got sixty-four hours of ride time. So if you did that, oh. if you did that, uh, Joe, well done. That's awesome. And then we had a couple of big runners. Jenny Welsh did thirty-four hours of running, and Kevin. Zuick did 31 hours of running. That's a bloody good Holy effort. smokes. Okay, so number 57. I don't think it's James Thomas. 57. K. Baum. Oh, here we go. He did nine activities. That's 14, a great name. 14 hours and 22 minutes. Did two hours 36 of swimming. Eight hours 47 on the bike. Two hours 57 of running. And K has got the little arrow next to his name, which means he's a summit member. It's from Deutschland. Yeah, from Deutschland, from, God, that's a long name, Bad Sorden in Taunus in Hessen in Deutschland. Deutschland. Good work. And his biggest ride that he's ever done, 211 kilometres, biggest climb, 1,381 metres. He's going to hit the 1,000 k's for a month. Yeah, it's been nice and consistent all the way through. And he had a bit of a bit of a meltdown in May. start of yeah, June this year. COVID probably got, a, got in the way, but since then, pretty consistent. Nice work. Good just, times. I'm just going to see where in Germany the uh, is from. Right, Bevan, did you do any uh, running last week? He's near Frankfurt. There you go. You're a hot dog. John Swimset. Who's a hot dog? Oh, that, that's from Rocky Horror Picture. And you'd never do, try to hurt her. John Frank Furter. <laughs> that's why. John Swimset. We had, uh, we had 
people just blowing up left, right, and centre in the pool. Oh, swan. what happened? I don't know. They were just playing pull, battleships, pulling some heartstrings, pulling some uh, sore backs, etc. So we what did we do today? We did three hundred warm up. It was this, today was just a, again bit of an all-rounder session, um, we're taking it a little bit easier this week, tapering into Epic Camp, and that is a point I've been really stressing to the athletes, when you come into an Epic Camp, you need to be fully tapered, treating it like a race, 100% fresh when you when you arrive. So we started off this morning, 300 metre uh, warm-up, three times 100 individual medley, and then our main set, we repeated it twice through, it was four times 200 steady, and we were doing them on the 315, and then four 100s hard, we did on the 135, we did that, that's those 200s and 100s twice through with the 50 recovery in between sets. And then the then we finished with 425s hard butterfly. Got to keep a bit of butterfly up there because I've got to try to do 200 metres of that at some stage next week. And butterfly is a funny one because over 25 metres, it's actually, it feels about the same to do a hard 25 as it does an easy 25. Okay. Which is a bit weird because if you do, if you swim hard, you've got really good technique. You're sort of floating a bit higher or sitting higher on the water. When you're just trying to take it easy, it takes a it takes a lot longer to get to the other end, and you're a lot deeper in the water. So it's actually a bit easier to go hard. But once you get past 25, it's a different story. Why then did you, they, why you did they blow out. the butterfly movement? Oh God knows. That's a stupid. That's a stupid movement. It is. It's very difficult. Like I don't. First, I don't get. I, I kind of get backstroke freestyle. I don't get why you have the other strokes. Mm. It's a beautiful stroke when you're swimming it, and as I said, when you're doing like a twenty-five, and until you get tired, it's a cool movement to really master. It's just, and it's you, just odd. Non-swimmers, they probably wouldn't have experienced that. But oh, it no. flows really beautifully. But once you get tired, it's it's just ugly. Mine was always looked like I was having a fit. Mm. Yeah, it was never You're not a, alone there, Bevan. It was, it was never a pretty thing. Questions and answers. Okay, I'll get this one. Um, we had an email through from Kenneth Peterson, who we had on the show earlier in the year, and his wife Adelaide. Um, and when we talked to her, she'd been through all sorts of battles with um, being hit by a vehicle, um, and she's now released a book. So if you want to go back to that interview, um, search up Kenneth Peterson on uh, imtalk.me. Her book's out. Um, it really, in a nutshell, talks about the crash she had, plus the 700-plus stitches and dozens of bone fractures, and the recovery from, from it, um, the worries and how to manage the bipolar that um, resulted from that, along with uh, PTSD, uh, and just how the whole incident affected life, relationship, um, changing laws. So you can go to adelaidepr.com. Uh, uh, so Adelaide as in the city in Australia, P-E-R-R.com. And I'll uh, link to that in www.imtalk.me. And you can go check notes. it out. Okay, uh, David Petz has got here. Um, hi, I have a problem, bike problem and I'm hoping you can help me solve. We are currently shopping for a new bike for my wife. She currently has her sights set on the new Cannondale System 6 road bike. The problem is the handlebars have been shaped to be more aero and have flat profile rather than your typical round profile. This renders her clip-on aero bars she uses for triathlon useless. Do you know of any bars or adapters that are compatible with the newer flat handle bar? David, you are shit out of luck. <laughs> okay, okay, there you go. Yeah. More or less. And I think this is a really, it's a really good and important question because... I've got a new bike, a new cube bike, yeah, it's uh, cool. and it's got the flat handlebars as well. Um, and you can't just put there's there's, there's no regular aero bars um, out there. And th- this is the same thing in this instance here. And you kind of you're a bit stuffed. And so it's a really important buying decision when you're looking at bikes is look at what the configuration is like with the handlebars. 
if you want to put aero bars on, if you're doing any sort of short clip course ones are a bit of a thing of the past, are they? Well, yes and no. I mean, if people you, tend to have two bikes now, don't they? They, they do. But if if you're doing a, uh, you know, I don't still don't understand why short course athletes do not in drafting races do not have aero bars on there. I sure as hell would. Um, so the, the the answer to your question is a number of the bike brands now are coming out with their own sort of commissioned. Aero bars that okay. fit specifically onto only onto that brand, which is it's like the phone charger problem you used to yeah. have, isn't it? You have ten different sorts of phone yep. chargers. So that's the challenge you've got to to do is um, when you're looking at a bike, you're going to buy see if they have got a set of aero bars you can buy. Otherwise, you're stuffed. The other things you do need to think about when you're doing um, cycling purchases these days is whether your power meter is going to be transferable. You know, because what you can do, you go right. I'm going to spend five, six, seven grand on a bike, all of a sudden, you, once you've got it, you go, oh crap, can't use zero bars, I'm a bit screwed there. If it's a through axle, is it going to fit my um, my smart trainer or not? And what you have to buy, so to, whether you've got to upgrade the whole smart trainer or whether you can just get a part to do that. Power meter transferability, whether you can switch that from your existing bike onto your new bike. Thinking about disc brakes, have you got race wheels and training wheels currently? And if you buy a new bike, what's it going to come with? And is it going to mean you're going to need to purchase a new set of race wheels? That's an expensive game, doesn't it? Um, and yeah, and, and then as I said, will it fit fit your trainer? Um, and some some challenges there with disc brakes as well, um, whether they fit on like the old trainers. So quite a few things to think about. Aero bars, will that work? Power meter, will that go across? Disc brakes, whether you've got your already got race wheels, means another set of race wheels, and thinking about whether it's going to fit your trainer. So before you pull the trigger, do some thought. Okay, um, Tim Martindale's got here over swimming questions. Should I have different kick rate for different swimming lengths? For example, should I have an Olympic kick rate versus an Ironman distance rate? Um, it's going to vary a little bit there. Um, there's definitely a massive difference between, say, doing a 50-meter, 100-meter maximum effort yeah, and yeah. Ironman. When you start getting up towards Ironman, then it is your legs are going to be there more as a balance purpose and to keep you in rhythm rather than necessarily giving you loads of propulsion. So between an Ironman and uh, 70.3, um, negligible difference. The one thing that I do stress to athletes is you need to think about how you're going to start your race. Um, and this isn't such an issue anymore because we've got these bloody rolling starts all over the place. But if you are going to be someone who's going to start the swim a bit more aggressively, and this comes down to if, maybe if you're doing Olympics and sprints, then you need to work your kick a lot more because you are going to be kicking significantly more when you start the race. If you're doing a 70.3 and it's a rolling start and you're going to do a nice even split, you're just going to roll into the water and your kick rate is going to stay the same, probably don't need to factor it in. But that is something to think about. If well, you're the other doing thing as well is how much, now I'm, I know not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a swim coach. How much is kicking about keeping your hips up? Uh, it is, you know, part of it is about core stability. Um, yeah. But so. Because I was just thinking on race day, we often got wetsuits. Hmm. So the need to kick to even keep your hips up is even less. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because I found I definitely kicked less when I raced, mm -hmm. you know, than what I would in a pool. Mm. Um, but then you've got to factor in, am I going to do some non wetsuit races as well? Well, so, that's true. Yeah. Um, if you go and wear core shorts every single time you go training, and then you want to go and do the Hawaii Ironman. Do, do you know one thing I bought this week, John, which have actually... core shorts? No, I bought um, cycle undies. 
why would you buy cycle well because i teach at the gym oh sorry okay that's different yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. i, I, I wear normal shorts because they don't want us to look cyclists they don't right. want us to look like cyclists at the okay. gym anymore they want to look, look like gym people mm. and so i was getting problems and i bought some bloody cheap chinese website mm. 25 bucks mm. and they're great right <laughs> yeah i know and i was like because i thought i'll chuck 25 bucks at it you know they're yep. going to be crap you know so be it we'll see what happens turn up absolutely gold nice i suppose no you triathlon people wouldn't use them but you know anyway go back to the red rocket he was just saying here is what he was saying in his email was i've been getting email about ironman races filling up uh or phase two entries filling up better soon uh better enter soon as the entries will be fees will be going up isn't this a little time tone deaf for the current global situation they seem to be going on as business as usual it's not like they've adjusted their refund policy or have they and it's an interesting question have they actually refund got changed their refund policy i don't know the answer to that but i think what james does here he poses a, an interesting question as well is getting into races it's not an issue for kiwis really but races are uh, sold out or selling out already because what they've had to do is transfer all the entries over from this oh, year. Of course. So races are already effectively full uh, and so actually getting into races is going to be a real challenge over the next 12 months. Don't so, they're, But they're also what they're doing is using it to create some urgency yeah. which is a great technique with sales they always say create urgency because it makes mm -hmm. people make decisions. So create urgency but then there's a chance these races don't go ahead mm. and you throw your money down the drain. And that's what's happening with their tier system that they're working. Again, it's a it's, yeah, marketing tool in terms of tier three is sold out yeah. and then you've got to pay the extra money and you, then you start panicking. And yeah. Uh, So yeah, races look like they're selling out left, right and centre. So good for Iron Man. Would you want to be entering them? Well, the no. problem is it's a lot of money. Mm. And what's an Iron Man out there? It's 1,200 bucks? 1,000 uh, bucks plus or minus a couple yeah. of hundred, I suppose. So you know, if... if, if you know, you enter Ironman New Zealand now. Yeah. But, well, you probably would in New Zealand, but in most other countries, you probably wouldn't, would you? Uh, okay, John, let's talk about our patrons. We have got uh, Sweet Justice, Daniel Sobel. I love this next one. Connor Sensational <laughs> Sanders. I'm reading his book right now. Connor's book? Has he got a book yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. No, um, Rabbit Warren's. Right. The, the lead commentator. It's a great <laughs> book. And Crazy Legs, Adam Fox. Okay, guys, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. Go to this patronage page, get a gift, support the boys, and uh, you're going to draw to win something. Jonbo, if you want to get your show emailed to you, same website down the bottom of the front page, put the info in there. Uh, if you want some coaching, Coach John Newsom. You want to check out my podcast, bevanjamesoz.com. I released a show yesterday. Uh, other cool content such as Age Group of the Week, cool websites, other feedback. I am talkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your goss. Uh, I've been race directing a storm, Bev, in the last two days. Had my f organized my first ever mountain bike duathlon uh, at a place called Auden Bradley Park, which is. Oh, that's right. That, yeah. How'd it go? Uh, it was sensational, <laughs> Bev. Sensational. Did something I've never had to do before and did a last minute change on the race day. It was a pretty it was it small up. race because. How many um, people? Uh, we had 70 finishes, okay. um, which was fine because I didn't actually want that many more than that. And there was heaps and heaps of races on in Christchurch. Crater Rim was on the same day. Yeah. And it was in the same area, wasn't it? Yeah, but they go along the top of the hill. That yeah, was right, no problem. Um, but I, I thought I'd calculated my race really well. I had like the, the youth and the junior athletes and the, the novice athletes starting first and the main race starting 25 minutes later. And I thought that was going to be enough time that they wouldn't get caught because they were only doing half the yeah. distance. You're like, sweet ass, bro. And then I was looking at the start, so I was like, there's some really fast dudes, and there's some quite 
less fast people in the first group, they're going to catch them. So on the day, ended up com- combining the two races, but it worked out worked out fine. So that was um, race number one, but athletes never done a mountain biking race before. Loved it. It was a 4K circuit, and it was... How many laps? It was just one lap on the bike. Like four, This 4K probably take between 10 and 25 minutes, okay. depending on ability. Um, but it was just perfect in terms of you could really hit it hard if you're a good biker, and if you're a not-so-good biker, you could still get through it, and it wasn't like riding over big rocks or anything. Yep. So the athletes came off, and they loved it, just doing something a little bit different. Nice. So try some mountain biking if you get the chance, or an Xterra, which isn't crazy, crazy hard. Based on your skill level, but Because mountain biking equals oh, injuries. It does. And the, yeah, this one was perfect for everybody yeah, yeah, do some entry level racing mm. if, if, unless you're pretty skilled and then you say um, helped facilitate our regional schools primary schools championship which is up to 13 year olds um, yeah. and yeah we had a thousand kids out there glorious day and it is full on from the gun in those races I tell Not you really. they had about 150 in each uh, age group and some of them, no shit. I mean, I was standing 50 meters. I was lead cyclist for my, for several of them. They they're doing it like a hundred meter sprint. They're yep. literally going that it's fast. One gear. And they had to run two k's, bike six or nine k's, and then run one k. And they were just crawling. Some of them were walking after 500 meters. Anyhow, it was good times. No idea of pacing, do they, John? No. Did your kids race in it? They did. Yep. Uh, Felicity won her division. Nice. Smoked it on the. Killed them on the bike, which is a bit surprising. She doesn't do much biking. Mm. And Tom had a good old battle, but he got a bit of stitch on the final run. He got fifth, which is still pretty good. Yep. Good times. Any of a goss? No, just all getting ready for epic camp. Packed last night. Today's Mon- Today was Monday night, getting ready for Friday departure. Got to go do a whole bunch of things the next few days to get ready for it. And it's going to be good times. Did you, did you get involved in the election? I voted. Did you watch it? No. No. Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I thought I to myself, I said to my run, <laughs> you agree, thanks yeah. a lot. <laughs> I agree. I, uh, I said to my Actually, run, I met somebody, uh, one of our listeners, um, I don't remember your name, I apologise, I met him yesterday, he was there with his son, he said, listen to the show, I was busy pay- setting things up, I said, thank you, so you know who you are, good to meet you. I bet you were rude. I was not rude. But you were like, yeah, thanks mate, Sorry. screw you, I've got stuff to do. Back, back to your elections. Well, because I was talking to my runner, or my runner, one of my runners in the morning, and I said, I don't want to be one of those sad sacks who watched the election all night on Saturday night. Mm. And so we went and voted. And, and I made a couple of errors, John. Mm. First error I made was, because I said to Joe, because the thing in New Zealand, it's been an interesting election for lots of reasons. But one of the things was early voting was huge. Mm-hmm. Like basically about 50% of the people have voted before election day, which has never happened before. Um, partly because they made it really easy and it was really mm-hmm. kind of visual or, or you could just saw it everywhere out in public. So I think people just thought, well, I'll get it done. Um, but I said to Joe, no, let's wait to the final day because I like kind of so, walk- same as you. I yeah. like walking down the local school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you got the community feel. You yep. see a couple people you know. So I said, so let's wait to the final day. Did you think when you went in, you got it? You scored yourself a free pen. I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I walked in. I handed out everybody individual pens. Normally they're just sitting in the box and you yeah. take them. I thought, ah. Oh. Get a free pen this yeah. year, do we? Walking out, uh, we'll take your pen, thanks. And they're disinfecting every single pen. <laughs> oh, they didn't ask me. Uh, I just did the old slide, the old look, look like it's up your hand trick. Yeah. Yeah, just walked out. Okay. So I, the gov- I made money off the government last weekend, team. Nice. I paid for that pen anyway. It's my pen. <laughs> you know, I paid for the That's the attitude. That's we love the attitude. to see. That's right. So, um, so, but we had runners in the morning. So by the time we got to vote, it was about one o'clock, went down. We're the only people there, John. Yeah. <laughs> so no community feel. And then... 
kind of, we had no plans for Saturday night. So we kind of just thought, oh, I'll just watch a little bit. Well, didn't go to bed till about 11 o'clock. Watch the whole thing. So <laughs> I was hooked on the election. Had your red badge on and everything like that. Red t-shirt, red my, socks. My team won, John. My, my team, <laughs> we dominated the dojo. That was more than a dojo domination, wasn't it? Was it? solid, yeah. That was a down trial, that was. I tell you what. It's an interesting time in New Zealand. And I tell you what. I'm glad I live in New Zealand. Mm. I'm glad I live in New Zealand. So my red team won. But uh, it was, yep. And then the rugby. Did you watch rugby? No, I was staining my dick. Oh, you and your dick? <laughs> Did you listen to it? Sorry? I listened to it on the radio and then I watched uh, most of the second half. Yep. Normal um, order has been resumed in world rugby. Yep, yeah. Aussies, we just crush you. No, no chance. Yeah, I was hoping we put a few more points on them. The last 20 minutes were disappointing. Mm. You know, we wanted to embarrass them. Mm. We wanted to make them know that, no, you had, okay, you had one good game. You get your one good game a year. And they mm. didn't even win it last year. Yeah. So there we go. John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick up. Up.